Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. It's Monday afternoon, and joining us as always, Jason Cameron. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm, I'm enjoying the day off again on this Monday. Going to be working a couple days this week, but uh, enjoy the day. It's a beautiful day. And actually, outside my, outside my apartment window, the trees are beginning to leave. Oh, my goodness. This is, summer's coming. Oh, this is nice. Yeah. I know. Yeah, it's something I've noticed, too. It's amazing. Uh, we had such a stretch of great weather Then it was a little bit uh, lousy this weekend. But, uh, yeah, we uh, have some sunny sun again and the leaves are on the trees. The blossoms uh, are there. It's a good feeling. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have a fantastic spring and summer this year. Better than last year, I hope. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, I hope that we're going to have the opportunity and the ability to like, you know, see people seeing people is good you know like and that's good and and i i just have a feeling that i think the summer is going to be really nice so i think uh, people will try to do their best to get outdoors and do their thing within reason and obviously being safe and all that sort of stuff but yeah man enjoying the sun how's the new gig uh, it's great that you're only working a few days a week ah uh, it's it's good you know like i'm, I'm yeah it's good I, I i can't complain i'm actually working with a friend and so he's actually been able to give me a couple of days here and there for the week. So I'm like, all right, good enough. Thank you very much. So you were able to watch this UFC card, a historic card with three title fights on the line, UFC 261. Uh, historic for many reasons, but uh, pretty much the biggest one that everybody's talking about is they finally had some live fans first time in 400 days, uh, March 22nd of 2020 was the last time that they had fans in the stands. Um, most of us uh, were kind of disappointed that the UFC made this decision this early. Uh, nice to hear a crowd, but uh, you got to worry about COVID, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, COVID, right? It's still there. You'd think from watching that, uh, that UFC, and they put on a great event, by the way, mind you, great event, awesome. But you'd think that we were back to normal. Ah, here's the thing, though. We are not back to normal. We're not even close. Um, I, I, had, I, I had mixed feelings. I still have mixed feelings. I love the fact that the fans were in the stands. Don't get me wrong. I love that. I love the fact that the athletes definitely love that fact. You could tell that the energy was up. Everybody was amped. Everybody was excited to be there. Here's the thing, though. I, I didn't see any social distancing. I didn't see any of that. I, bar I barely even saw anybody wearing masks. So are you trying to tell me that everybody in the audience has been vaccinated? Are you trying to tell me that there's nobody in that audience of 20 to 25,000 people that didn't have COVID at that time? And then also too, there was no buffer between fans and athletes. So athletes were touching the fans again, like they did before. So what, okay. So the thing is, I'm asking myself, what, what's going on here? What happens if some of your, I don't know, champions catch COVID because of, the, of this event that you just put on? Or, or any of your staff catches COVID, then passes it on to the athletes? I, I don't know. I'm sure that the UFC has taken utter precautions to try to protect everybody. But how do you protect everybody if you have that many fans in a stadium? How do you do that? I don't know. Maybe they figured it out. But I got to tell you, man, you really put everybody at risk when you do things like that. 
Yeah, it concerns me. Uh, you know, this is an ongoing pandemic. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, in the States, um, they've been doing a really good job vaccinating people, but, you know, still a large population isn't vaccinated. Uh, yeah, it just, yeah, I, you know, they should have had a lot less fans, social distancing and, you know, procedures in place, but it seemed like full packed house, uh, not one seat, empty, uh, no masks from the, the shots I was seeing uh, of the crowd. And like you say, uh, athletes touching fans. Uh, I would be really shocked if there's not uh, a lot of COVID cases that come out of this. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like, I would be super shocked if there isn't because I'm pretty sure there, there should be because, like, you're just asking for it. You really are asking for it. This is what you ask for, where you put a, such a large number of people inside a building during a pandemic. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a good look, and uh, you know, I wish I wish they wouldn't have gone there. But uh, Florida has had a bit of a disregard for it right from the start. Uh, UFC did hold uh, an event there early on, and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, yeah, it's disheartening uh, that they did it. But uh, we have to talk about the event. Uh, there was, as you said, it, they did put on a great event. Uh, nice to see three title fights again on this card, like they did earlier in the year. And um, yeah, all in all, from uh, the early start, early prelims, prelims, and the main card. A lot to talk about, a lot to break down. Uh, I think the whole entire card was a little bit overshadowed by a broken leg that was uh, gruesome to watch, uh, tough to see, and uh, so bizarre that it happened to a guy that had it happened to him to, when he won the belt uh, years ago. So uh, Chris Weidman suffered a horrific break uh, to his leg. And uh, yeah, it seems like it's most of what people are talking about right now. It was horrific to the extreme. I, and it happened so quickly that at first I was watching with two friends and we were like, wait, what just happened? Because it was literally the first strike thrown in the entire fight. And then, then when you see the instant replay, because it happened really fast. And you're like, oh, uh, and then I was just like, oh, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. And it was super weird that it happened to the guy that did had, had the same thing happen to him when he fought Anderson and Anderson broke his leg on his shit. And it looked like it was almost the exact same kind of break. It was it was as weird as it gets. Now, here's the thing. I watched the I watched the event a day late. So when I was watching the fight beforehand, I thought that was where, where the, the injury happened. I thought that was the injury. That was the accident. Not knowing that the next fight would be the catastrophic injury. <laughs> sure was tough. Um, yeah. Uh, nobody was happy. It was, um, yeah, very, you could see, uh, you know, sort of a pall grow over the whole arena. Uriah Hall was uh, muted in his, uh, post-fight interview um, everybody was just wishing the best for him he was carted off and, and had surgery uh, immediately later on that evening into the wee hours of the night 
Uh, I have an update here from Chris Weidman's social media. He posted something uh, yesterday, and uh, uh, let's let's take a little look at it. <clears throat> What's going on, guys? <clears throat> I seen uh. I heard all love and support I'm getting. I haven't really been able to be on my phone too much. I can pain is pretty bad. <clears throat> so uh, I think it's like 3.30 in the morning. I'm in, trying, they're trying to get me some more pain meds now. Um, <clears throat> I just want to let everybody know I, I'm still thankful for all the love and support. And I really do want to get back to you all. Um, I know Uriah Hall uh, was super classy and upset this happened uh, to me, and I really appreciate that. Um, I know Anderson Silva came out and said, you know, some really nice things. Um, <clears throat> pretty brutal, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this. Get through this. Um, I think it's gonna be eight weeks till I can walk without uh, crutches and stuff. Um, and drive and all that. Uh, and then as far as like actually training, I don't know, they said between six and 12 months, I'll be good to go. Um. So, yeah, nice to see him uh, posting something at least. Uh, yeah, you, you worry about a guy's career, you worry about um, the possibility of him uh, ever being the same again uh, from something so bad, but uh, thankfully he went into surgery right away from all accounts. The surgery went really, really well, and um, he'll be on the road to recovery and let's hope we see him uh, back doing what he loves uh, soon. Yeah, man. That's, I, oh man, it, it just sucked that it happened. You know what I mean? But it's, it's great to see that he's recovering. He's good spirits. Obviously, the, 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 the surgery was a success. They reset his leg and everything else. And he will be back, back to form. It's just going to take some time. Man, it's, it, it's never good to see somebody injure themselves that horrifically in the octagon. And it's just never. It really leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. It's like, yes, we want to see violence, but like in the right way. Not like that. Never like that. I, I didn't really want to show it. Uh, if you uh, you know do want to see it, uh, anybody, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's available online places. But um, yeah, it, it it definitely uh, sucked that it happened. A horrible um, yeah horrible injury, and we never want to see something that bad. Uh, we you and I have talked quite a bit since we started this podcast on calf kicks being the the new thing that everybody uses as an advantage to try to slow down the, the other fighter. Uh, do you see uh, injuries like this changing uh, anybody's approach? No, no, I don't. I, I think it's, I think those kind of injuries, like what happened to Weidman, that what happened to Anderson Silva is one in 10,000 shot. Like it's like, it's like you hit the perfect spot that was weak on your leg and it broke like that broke like a snap like a twig i i think people are still going to be going to that calf kick 
And like, like, like anything, it's the technique. And if you're suddenly off on your technique, it could have apparently catastrophic uh, consequences for you if you throw it wrong, right? So I, I think people are still going to use the calf kick, but uh, they'll probably be a little bit more judicious in how they throw it. I just uh, finished a podcast episode with Tanner Bozer, UFC heavyweight contender, and uh, he's known for his leg kicks, uh, very, very strong, lethal leg kicks. Uh, we didn't get into a conversation today about about that, but uh, really happy to have Tanner uh, come in and uh, be a guest, and uh, we had a, a fun time discussing it. I guess you got to see a few minutes of it before we came on today. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I, I got the part where you were uh, talking about like how he had to quarantine because you've gone through something like that yourself. And Tanner was echoing the same sentiments that you've echoed, which is, well, if you have consistent negative tests, why would you still need to quarantine for 14 days? It's a great question, Tanner. It's a great question for our, our, our medical professional staff that takes care of us in America and in Canada uh, in the fact of if you do have consistent negative results, do you still need to quarantine? That's a great question. I can't answer it apparently because I'm not a medical professional, but it seems to me that you should be okay. I guess that I, I, this is me just spitballing. I'm just I'm throwing stuff out there, I'm just throwing it out there, but it oh. seems like we would be okay. Good point. Yeah. Tanner makes good points and you make good points. And uh, I recommend all of our viewers and listeners uh, find the uh, Tanner Bozer podcast. Uh, great guy. Uh, great Canadian, Albertan. Uh, there is a lot of stereotypes about Canadians and Albertans, and he matches some of those stereotypes, but just the good ones, just the really great ones where you love a guy who raised in a small town, end up uh, finding a sport that he loves, gets to travel the world, gets to become known, gets to reach all of his goals and his dreams. And, and he's a still humble, small town kid, small town guy, hasn't changed uh, even though he's got notoriety and, and fame and fortune and all that type of stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, man, well, he's, he, he, see, he seems like a very cool dude, very chill, very relaxed. And yes, like, as you said, very much Alberta, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, he's, he's a great individual, and I, I wish him nothing but the best in his next fight coming up. Nothing but the best. Okay, well, uh, yeah, now that the tough thing is out of the way with the Weidman uh, injury, why don't we uh, talk about the main event? Uh, this was a, a highly anticipated event, a rematch between Kamara Usman and Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Masvidal came in as a late replacement when Darren Till got hurt, had six days notice, tried to come in and fight him, uh, was able to take him to a decision, but uh, Kamara demonstrated his uh, superiority in that fight. And uh, uh, the UFC said, okay, uh, Jorge, you deserve a full camp and an ability to show what you can do. Uh, with the uh, right amount of training and, and the ability to know your opponent. Uh, but this outcome was the same with Kamara getting uh, his hand raised, but he was able to knock out Jorge Masvidal for the first time in his career. And it was a definitive win for Kamara. 
And he has risen up to one of those pound for pound top fighters in the world. It was an impressive performance for me. Yeah, shocking. I'm shocked. I thought this was going to be a war. And then it wasn't. <laughs> it just wasn't. I'm going to have to give Kamara Usman a little bit more respect because of the fact that the man, he has managed to find a way to win in any of his fights. And all of them are always different. But he keeps improving with every fight. So the, the fighter that we saw against Masvidal was definitely not the same fighter that we saw against Masvidal for the second time. Like he improved that much more and that significantly where he had the wherewithal because Masvidal said he tricked him. He thought there was going to be a heck of a lot more wrestling. I thought he thought it would be more of a wrestling centric thing. Yet Usman said, no, nah, I'll stand up with you. I'll stand because the one thing that you can never forget with Usman, he has a ton of power. He's got a ton of power and that power was on display in the second round where he hit him with that right. And I got to tell you, I don't think anybody in that division would survive that right hand. That was as lethal a right as I've ever seen in my freaking life. Like it, it was a movie right hand. He hit him, spit went flying across the, across the octagon, and he was out before he hit the mat. He was out cold. And then a couple more smashes to the face, and then it was called. Although I think I think it was Herb Dean was in that one, right? Is that Herb? So Herb, I'm just gonna say this a little bit slow on getting in there because he was like kind of like, is he out? It's like, no, Herb, he was out when he got hit. I don't know if he noticed that, <laughs> but he was out, man. And so when he finally stopped the fight, I was just like, okay, well, that was putting a stamp on it. No more rematches. It's over. <laughs> it's over, yeah. It was uh it was definitive. It was a hell of a right hand. Uh, so much power. Stepped right into it. Uh, just drove it right through Jorge. And um, yeah, he kind of woke him up with a, a hammer fist or two. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, you can't fault Herb. He's uh, one of the most veteran referees. Uh, he just saw this flash knockdown. Uh, tried to jump in. Not sure what to do at this moment because he saw Masvidal moving a little bit. Uh, but uh, realized quick, uh-oh, no, he's he's not intelligently defending himself, and uh, this fight is over. Yeah, and that's because he was twitching, twitching because he was out cold. Ugh, ugh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the movement that he saw. That's what he saw. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Kamara is the champ still. Uh, he's really beat uh, all comers, um, as they say. Uh, they've already kind of said that Colby Covington is getting a rematch, getting a second opportunity. Um, <laughs> do you think this moves the needle? Do you think uh, they'll be able to uh, get much interest in this? Uh, uh, seems like Usman, uh, you know, should be heavily favored and, uh, you know, be able to take out uh, Colby again. Uh, what was he wearing? What, we, what, what, what was that? Like that with that camo suit. What the hell was? Oh man, I'm looking at it and I'm just thinking to myself, like, oh, okay, all right. So he's doing this WWE thing again. This is good, and he's wearing this ridiculous. I'm sorry, it's ridiculous suit. Looked awful. I'm just gonna say, it. looked awful. It was yeah, awful. True. And at the same time, I'm like, okay, so he's saying, he's saying a bunch of stuff. He's saying all the right things to try to hype the fight. 
here's the the one thing that Usman has to say. The only thing he has to say is like, oh, I'm just going to shut him up again. I'm just going to break his jaw again. <laughs> like, you know, like, because he did that the first fight. But I all respect to Kobe Covington. The man fought with a broken jaw for, I believe, like three rounds. So he's super tough. So he's going to be super tough again, but I don't know what he's going to do to change the outcome. Like, that's going to be, like, I, I'm really curious to see what his plan of attack is. Yeah. I don't know. The only person that Usman hasn't fought in, in that top uh, tier of guys is uh, Wonder Boy. Um, and I think he's fighting fairly soon. So, uh, yeah, it looks like Covington's got the match. Um, he's pretty hated. He's quite the mouth. He's going to stir up some trouble. He's going to, you know, uh, run his mouth like usual. And, and then that can create, uh, you know, the animosity needed, I guess, you know, maybe the viewership. But, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Usman really uh, showed that he's a you know notch above this whole entire division, and and uh, I can see a long run coming from this guy. He could, like, hey man, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing just how far he can take it. I don't know if he's going to get into this, uh, any GSP territory. Kind of a really hard thing to do, but right now, like, I uh, will see. We'll see because it, once he beats, if if he does beat. Covington again, now he's just going to be going to recycle people, like, you know, like all these people that he's already beaten, except for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, if Wonderboy wins his next fight so he can have a shot at the champ. Yeah, that was his uh, 14th straight win in the UFC. Uh, he's second for longest winning streak uh, behind Anderson Silva, who has 16. Uh, he tied Pat Miletic for the third most title fights in this division. Uh, yeah, he's not in GSP's territory. I don't know why uh, recency bias seems to always rear its ugly head when they, they talk about this, but he's got many, many years to go and many fights to win before he gets to be uh, in that GSP conversation, I believe. But uh, yeah, it was pretty definitive to uh, give Gamebred his first KO in, in 50 pro fights. Uh, Masvidal was um, gracious in defeat. Uh, uh, he said sorry to all his friends and family in, in Florida. He said to his kids, hey, daddy's okay. Sorry, you know, just, just go to bed now. I'll be fine. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, you got to feel sorry for Masvidal, but uh, I think he can talk himself into some big fights coming up too. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, he's, he's, not, he's not dropping out of the top five. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you lost to the champ. It's fine. A lot of people lose to the champ. So I, I did love the fact that he was super classy in the tweet. He was ridiculously classy. Um, whatever beef that uh, him and Usman had squashed right there and then. Because it's like, ah, you're the man. You got me. We're good. We're done. Uh, I, I did appreciate that. And yeah, I, I, I believe still on the horizon. There's still a lot of big fights for Masvidal. He's still a top dog in that division. He's just not the alpha of the division. Well, uh, it's been 12 years since he's been finished. As I said, first time he's ever been knocked out. Um, a really shocking result, but uh, yeah, now it uh, definitely keeps uh, Usman up on the, the champion's uh, top rung and uh, with the belt. 
in the co-main event, uh, we had and new and old uh, champion uh, Rose Namajunas, the first woman to ever avenge a title loss and recapture the belt. Uh, this was um, not the biggest shock in the world, but uh, Wang had uh, Zhang had uh, had really shown you know a, a, a amazing career. She had a 21 fight unbeaten streak. Uh, she came to uh, the title and uh, Rose came in as an underdog. But um, man, that was a hell of a performance, an amazing kick that uh, knocked Jang down. Uh, she didn't even remember it uh, seconds later. Uh, it was a definitive win for me too. Again, shocking. I, again, I, I thought this would be, I thought this would test both athletes like metal, their will. I thought, again, this is going to be set up for a war. I really did. And then it wasn't. It's over quick. <laughs> I believe it was three minutes and 20 seconds into at the three, 320 mark of the first. That's when the knockout happened. And it was over. Like, I was just like, oh, oh. And then I'm like, oh, it's over. Okay. All right. Well, she won. <laughs> I was, I, but I couldn't be happier because I really, I, I love Thug Rose. I love what she's all about. I love the humbleness. I love her approach. And I love the fact that she does, she doesn't hide anything about how she feels about being a champion or where she's at in her head or anything else like that. I just love it. Like she's absolutely um, unique in that respect. She's just real. She's very real. And I, I, I couldn't be happy for her. I was rooting for her. I wanted her to win. I didn't know if she could win, but apparently I had nothing to worry about. She definitely could win. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I really appreciated her. Uh, I love I love her candor. I love her openness. Uh, she said that having the belt last time was a burden. She felt it was lifted off her shoulder. She she really um, took it tough uh, uh, being the champ and, and trying to be that champion. Uh, I hope that it goes much better for her this time. Uh, she, did, she said she didn't handle it very well, but uh, she wanted to um, you know, show her abilities and, and uh, you know, recapture a title. Uh, it was uh, it was fantastic. Uh, Joe Rogan had tears. I saw I felt some tears welling up. I was I was really really happy for someone to see them climb the mountain, get knocked back down, and get back on top of the mountain. It's uh, it's rare to, rare thing to happen in combat sports, but uh, a huge 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 win for her. Yeah, it, it just shows like the, the the perseverance and the character of a person to say, oh, okay, I got knocked back down. Yeah, I, I, there's certain things that I could have done better when I was the champion. But you know what? When I get back there again, I'll just do those things better. And then that's where she's at right now. I'm back there again at the top of the mountain again. And then all the things that she was concerned about uh, when she was the champion before, now she can fix. And like, it, I, think, I think just basically her perspective is radically different from what it was the first time. And I think she'll be able to handle the pressure and all the stuff that comes with it way better this time than the first time. Yeah, no, it's great. It's really fantastic to see. Uh, I've got a lot of time for Pat Berry. Really enjoyed his mixed martial arts career, and they seem like such a great power couple. And and um, yeah, the the Namajunas reign starts again. So um, yeah, it's going to be fun to see who the UFC pits against her. Uh, we'll see some contenders emerge very soon, I'm sure. Uh, 
the third and the first fight of the night that was the title fight uh, went according to plan uh, for most people. Uh, I thought a lot. I think a lot of people thought Andrade had a had a really legitimate shot because of her power, uh, but um, Shevchenko, you know, just showed that she's miles ahead of the of her competition. And um, man, another level was raised again. And uh, whew, it was impressive to watch. Uh, she really, really, really was a superior athlete in that cage that night. Uh... I, okay, so I think I think the analysts or the the professionals were saying Andrade would have like a like a advantage in the wrestling department. She did not, and Shevchenko made it a point to make it a point that she does not have an advantage in the wrestling department by taking her down over and over and over again. Like you're just cementing the fact that it's like no, she's not better than me anywhere. <laughs> Like literally, that's, takedowns. That's, she had seven takedowns. It was uh, amazing. Yeah. It was it was absolutely amazing. It was super dominant because Andrade has to be one of the strongest women in the division. Just look at her, and she was overpowered by Shevchenko. So what does that tell you? It tells you a ton. It tells you as much as I need to know, which is, oh man, she is not going to be beat for a very, very, very. Hold on a sec. I'm not done yet. Very. Very long time. <laughs> She's going to be at the top, man. Because, again, as I've said before, the only person that's come close or has beaten her is Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes. All right? That's it. So what, is, what does anybody else have a chance to, like, to, to even come close to beating her? No. Nah, man, you, you just don't have one. It's gone. Yeah, no, it was impressive. Uh, she got takedowns immediately as soon as this fight started. Uh, Andrade was able to get back to her feet, but then just another immediate takedown. She was five for five in the first round of her takedowns. She got seven takedowns in, in the fight. And uh, once she uh, once she got her in a crucifix and landed some elbows on it, uh, Dan Mergliata had no choice but to stop the fight. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a complete domination and, and, uh, yeah, we're just seeing, you know, how incredibly superior she is. Uh, Amanda Nunes is the goat, but this is the baby goat. This is the, you know, the second in line, uh, man, it's great to see such incredible skill from these two women. And, uh, yeah, both of them are going on long, long, long title reigns. That's going to, uh, you know, uh, put some things in the record books that might be very hard for any other women to achieve. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I just don't, there's nobody coming up right now that can threaten their reign for now, for now. And I, it's just, just to look at the superiority and just how good those two ladies are. I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't know who's going to be able to beat them. Like they, they'd have to have an incredibly off day, like where they're sick or something's very catastrophically wrong, and they go into the go into the octagon and they fight because I di- I just don't see it. I don't see it. I I do foresee possibly a super fight between those two because like literally, that's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, great to see uh, three title fights. Uh, a lot of very interesting uh, scenarios emerge from, from this card. Uh, but this was a card that was stacked 
all the way through. We've already talked uh, about the welterweight or the middleweight battle between Weidman and Uri Hall. Uh, but the fight that started off the main card was uh, Jimmy Crute and Anthony Smith. And uh, these guys are tough. They're very powerful, super strong. Uh, Anthony Smith kicks uh, ended this. Uh, I haven't seen a guy uh, lose the ability to walk uh, so badly, so quickly. Um, man, his 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 ankle was just folding over on him because he had no sensation in his leg. It was um, it was crazy how much his leg immediately couldn't work for him anymore. Well, I, I guess as they were saying that uh, uh, Lionheart targeted. He kicked him in a way that he hit the nerve in his leg. I've only seen that happen once. And I remember when it did happen. Uh, that was Demetrius Johnson versus Henry Cejudo, where he did a leg kick. And his Henry Cejudo's leg did the same thing. It did that weird thing where he couldn't control his leg, literally anymore. And so when you saw him crawl over, I go, I blew out his knee. Fight's over. Then the fight wasn't over. Like, I think... Uh, even uh, Anthony Smith was shocked because he came after him and he goes, Oh, I'm still fighting. Oh my God, I can't believe this. Like I was super impressed with Jimmy Crute's will to win. I, I was, I, I, I was just like, wow, these people are superhumanly tough because that's not normal. Like if somebody does that to my leg, I'm out done. Get me to the hospital. I'm just going. I'm out of here. I'm out of yeah. here, man. But yeah. that, but his mentality was, got to fight to win. I'm going <laughs> after him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even after the fight, he said, I'm just going to take him down and try to fight on the ground and not yeah. have to worry about my leg for a while. But uh, he was so disappointed when the doctor called it off. And he, uh, yeah, he is a warrior. And he didn't care that one leg was gone. He was going to continue on. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, and a performance that I think Dana White's going to, you know, give him props because uh, he he did not want to finish that fight, was not going to quit. No, man. And, but once once the doctor said, walk, walk to Mort to me, kind of like like doing a sobriety test pretty much in the octagon, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, and then when Jimmy's like, come on, let me fight. And I'm like, no, oh, no, dude. Even I was like, no, man. Your, your, your head cookie folded <laughs> over. Yeah. It was, a, it was a legitimately good stoppage. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Like, the doctor did his job there and said, I'm going to protect your well-being because you can't do it. You can't fight anymore. We're done. It was, it was a good stoppage. Very but, good stoppage. But, yeah, you were, you were said that you had heard there was an injury on the card. Uh, those two fights uh, that started off the main card uh, both ended in injury, uh, both from kicks. And, uh, yeah, let's hope that Jimmy Crute's leg is fine. Uh, some no serious damage to it, and uh, he can continue. Uh, that this really should elevate Anthony Smith too. Uh, he's a former title challenger, and he doesn't have to worry about John Jones being there anymore. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Anthony Smith should have a good opponent coming up. Yeah, I, I believe so. I believe so. Like, cause hey, he took he took out a very game and a guy that's, I believe will be in the top 10 eventually at some point, Jimmy Crute. Like, so yeah, he should be getting somebody very good to fight very, very soon. Anthony Smith. Yeah. 
He's been a, a very, very, very busy fighter. 51 fights in his um, 32 year. Uh, he's 32 years old, 51 fights. Uh, man, his jab was so stiff and crisp and and his kicks are phenomenal. And um, yeah, he's he's not done yet. Some people were calling uh, that his career was over, but um, no, he proved that he's, he's still a, a very, very tough opponent. Uh, let's switch to the prelims a little bit. Uh, the main feature fight from the prelims was Randy Brown, the Jamaican, uh, facing off the, against the Brazilian Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And Rude Boy uh, looked fantastic. Um, really, really, uh, yeah, just was able to, yeah, impose his will, knock Oliveira down with a huge right hand, uh, was able to get the rear naked choke in and, and force a tap. Uh, super impressive performance. And, you know, I always mention Jamaican, uh, yeah, uh, home country of, of your heritage and ancestry. Uh, what do you think of, of Randy Brown's performance? Uh, uh, a masterful. It was, it was amazing because if that fight was going on anymore, he was actually going to be in a little bit of trouble because Oliveira was hitting him with some nasty calf kicks. Nasty. Right? It's like, so that was beginning to add up. But then all of a sudden, he unleashed that right hand kind of out of nowhere. <laughs> Lord Oliveira put him down. And then he did something that I haven't seen too often, where he, he sunk in the rear naked choke with one arm. One arm. Because Oliveira had control, wrist control of his other arm. And Randy Brown is just like, I, you can have that arm. I just need one. And he choked him out with one arm. Yeah, that was super impressive to me. I, I was just like, oh my goodness, he's actually going to do it. He's going to choke this man out with one arm. That that's like a, a level of strength and power that you just don't see, and you wouldn't expect from somebody of his uh, body shape and body size because he's extremely lanky, but apparently extremely, extremely strong to do that. Well, I think that um, length of his arms actually probably helped him get that because he was able yeah. to actually. Put the arm around and reach back on the shoulder and get some, get some strength and some leverage to that choke. But yeah, you have to be powerful to do it with one arm. Uh, it's it's one of the most rare rear naked chokes we've ever seen. And uh, yeah, most guys can get out of it if they've got one hand free. And uh, it was it was a shock that um, yeah he was forced uh, forced to tap or he was going out. Yeah, yeah, man. He yeah, if he didn't tap, he was going out. He was going out on a shield, which I thought maybe Oliver was going to do because he has done that before. But uh, great, a great win by Randy Brown against a very, very tough opponent in Cowboy Oliveira. Okay, the uh, welterweight fight between Dwight Grant and Stefan Sekulich um, went to a decision, uh, almost finished right at the very, very, very end of uh, that, that uh, third round. Um, uh, almost uh, a guillotine, almost finished the body snatcher, but uh, he was able to get the decision win. He's uh, won three of his last four. Uh, split decision. This was a really tough, close fight. Um, but uh, yeah, Sekulich just needed a few more seconds and he had that win, but uh, Dwight Grant uh, is the victor. I was a little bit surprised at um, at uh, the results, to be honest with you. 
I thought Sekulich actually won the fight, but they gave it to Grant for inactivity on Sekulich's part. That's what I kind of thought what happened in that fight because Sekulich didn't really do that much, but he did enough to always take advantage, right? Like, so he was, you could say that he was kind of conserving his strength throughout the entirety of that fight where you could tell with Grant, he was eventually getting worn down because of the nervousness and you could see, see that he had the jitters and that will burn up your cardio pretty quick if you're always constantly tense like that. And I don't know, man, I, it just felt to me since Sekulich didn't do enough, like he wasn't really throwing strikes, but when he did, he took him down, but he didn't do, like, it just seemed like he didn't do enough. But positionally throughout the course of the first two rounds, I, I, I thought he had done enough to win some, like at least two of those rounds. Like he definitely won the third round and I thought he won like the first and the second. So I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I have question marks about that particular one because I'm thinking maybe they didn't give him the win because of the inactivity that he showed in the fight. Yeah. He got uh, a late takedown in the first round. Uh, sort of seemed like that was so even that that probably would have, uh, you know, gave him the round. Uh, as I said, really late um, guillotine uh, attempt in the third round. Uh, felt like he probably won that that third round. Um, he was uh, getting some takedowns, but yeah, once he had the takedown, uh, other than at the very end, he didn't do a lot with them. Uh, and uh, yeah, so maybe they, uh, maybe two of the judges decided that Body Snatcher had done more with his time, but. Uh, yeah, razor thin decision there, and uh, yeah, we'll see what shakes out for the rest of the guys. Uh, we had a, a good middleweight battle between Brendan Allen and uh, Carl Robertson. Ended up in a submission win by Allen. Uh, yeah, really uh, fantastic uh, takedown, and uh, was able to secure a heel hook when Robertson went for his own. Uh, didn't have any position to do it and uh, ended up having the tab like five, what was it? Five seconds left in the, in that round. Um, yeah. Uh, tough on Robertson. He shouldn't have went for that. Uh, if he wasn't going to be able to uh, get any type of secure of it, he left his foot in the wrong spot and had to tap or else he was in trouble. Yeah. Um, and it, it looked like when he went for a shot, because it, they, they, they were almost like in a 50, 50, right. But Allen was secure in the fact that, no, I actually have the positioning of his leg, so I can actually go for it. But Robertson's shot was sloppy, and he didn't actually have the leg in the proper position to go for it in the first place. And so for me, I looked at it, and I got to tell you, Allen looks super slick on the ground. He looked so good, so good on the ground. So when he went for the heel hook, and I'm so, I, I always cringe because heel hooks are one of the worst submissions ever. Because it can destroy you. It can destroy either your ankle or your knee. And then you're out. You can be out from anywhere to five, six, or a year. You know, like, depending on the severity of the injury. It's, it's a nasty submission, man. It's nasty. So once he sunk that in and you saw Robertson scream out in pain, I'm like, oh, man, I hope his knee isn't destroyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully he uh, got the top done uh, before any severe damage was done. Um, I wasn't expecting... Brendan Allen to win this way. Uh, the Sanford MMA guys recently have been winning uh, with a lot of great kickboxing um, coming from the Henry Hooft camp. 
but uh, yeah, once it did go to the ground, uh, he really seemed like, yeah, he was much superior and uh, was able to get a, a win. I didn't really take much damage in that fight and, and looked really, really good. Yeah, I know. You, you look, you look fantastic again, like even when it, with the stand up and everything else, it was tit for tat because Robertson's a very good stand up martial artist, but uh, once it went to the ground, he really showed his superior class in that respect. Looked fantastic. Called out Sean Strickland. Uh, he lost to him recently. He seemed really angered by that. He said he's going to avenge that loss and um, yeah, we'll see if the UFC gives him that opportunity uh, he sure uh, proved himself well. And um, yeah, I think we will see a rematch coming between those two uh, to start off the uh, prelims on this pay-per-view. We had a Canadian Tristan Connolly, local guy from our parts here. Last time we saw him in the cage, uh, he had one of the most incredible performances that anybody's ever had in USA debut fighting a guy, two weight classes bigger than him a guy that didn't even make weight at that weight class. Uh, he came in and uh, weathered this early storm from Michelle Pereira and was able to get a massive win, changed his life with a bonus, 50K bonus, and many things. He unfortunately went through a car accident and he had to have neck surgery. And uh, this is his first fight ever since that. So he was um, on a long road to recovery. I'm not sure if it had a big impact on this fight, but uh, Pat Sabatini was the better fighter on this night and was able to get the decision win. Yeah, uh, Pat uh, definitely was the superior wrestler. Wrestled him and got him to the ground. And I guess his, when he had the top position, when he was top heavy, never gave uh, Tristan enough airspace so that he could buck and try to get him off him so he could stand up. Took his back numerous times throughout the course of that fight which would which gave uh, Tristan all sorts of problems and it was only till finally the third round where you could Tristan's cardio was better it was it was amazing actually that he was able to actually put on pressure win the third the most certainly won the third as he was hunting for that guillotine choke but couldn't get it and then lost the fight but I could definitely tell that if that fight had been a five-round fight, Tristan was actually beginning to come on. He was, he, and he wasn't stopping. But unfortunately, he just did not do enough in the first two rounds to get the win. That's why Pat won. Yeah, he was able to get that uh, back position. He was able to get the uh, body lock. And uh, yeah, Tristan was having a lot of troubles. Uh, this time, the crowd was very against him. They were chanting USA. USA. Uh, when we saw him live here, uh, he couldn't have had more people supporting him. Uh, one of the loudest cheers I've ever heard live, and uh, he was definitely the favorite local. I don't know if that had any difference in that, but uh, he was definitely the villain in this one. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the Canadian, I mean, sorry, it's the American, like, uh, fans. They always chant USA. It's almost like it's their go-to. You will say. Like, I've, I've even heard them chant USA when it was two Brazilians in the octagon. <laughs> I don't understand that. I that. But, um, yeah, man, I, I guess he was the villain, but he couldn't be a nicer man. Couldn't be a nicer guy. Um, it was unfortunate that he lost, but I just do want to uh, put in a quick aside. One of my friends that was here when I was watching the fights yesterday, 
is a very good friends with Tristan. And so he sent him a pic that I saw of him and Pat enjoying a beverage after the fights. So, and it, it just goes to show that, you know, like, yes, they go into that octagon and they go to war. At the end of the day, there's nothing but respect and love at the end of the, at the, end of the day. I love it. Uh, I, I, I've attended many post-fight um, events, and uh, it's so great to see two of the guys that just went in there and were combatants against each other, uh, sharing a beverage together. It's, it's a great thing about the sport. There's so much sportsmanship, uh, respect. Uh, once a guy agrees to go in there and trade shots with you, uh, I think your respect level for that guy uh, rises. And, and uh, yeah, both of them put on a battle. I thought uh, Tristan won that third round and was coming on, like you said. Um, you know, Sabatini said one of the toughest guys I've ever fought. Uh, really, really good guy in there. And, and um, yeah, nice to see the, the picture. Uh, you'll have to... You have to share it with me. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, if I if I if I get it from my friend, for sure, I will do that. I will do that for you. Um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate setback, but in any setback, it's a chance to grow and it's a chance to learn. Yeah, well, uh, we're gonna reach out to Tristan uh, very soon. Uh, let him get a a few days recovery, but love to have him on as a guest really soon. And uh, yeah, see what's next for him. I'm sure he's on a four-fight contract, so this is probably just the first one out of that. Uh, so he's probably at least got three, two or three fights to go. So, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully he didn't take any damage, get a very long suspension, and we'll be able to see him in the cage really soon. Well, hey, as Uncle Dana said, he, he wants his fighters to fight at least two to three times every year now, right? So he's definitely going to be fighting again at some point in time, hopefully twice this year. So we'll see when that next fight is i know you didn't get a chance to see the early prelims uh, i sure hope you do uh it was amazing the very first fight of the night there was a women's strawweight fight between liang na and ariane carnolo carnal carnalosi sorry carnalosi um man those girls came out and there was just an immediate action just so much action and uh Daniel Cormier, Joe Rogan, and John Anik were all just jumping around, uh, excited. Uh, it, the energy level that uh, they had, maybe because of the crowd, maybe uh, just because that's what they wanted to do early on. But, man, it was fun. That first fight was incredible. The first four fights of the early prelims were a lot of fun. I, I couldn't believe uh, the difference in energy uh, that I had compared to the fights I've seen with no crowds. Uh, it, it added an element and it wasn't even full yet. Most people didn't show up until the prelims or the main cart, but it still had just a, an electricity that was incredible. Yeah. And you could, you could see that from the prelims, from the main, like once the fans are there, they add their energy to the athletes. Because like, I know when, when the UFC first started putting on their events again, you just had to see these guys kind of walk through the octagon and be like, okay let's go <laughs> it's just like because they have nothing to feed off of there's nobody there right like and it it was refreshing to see that the athletes were grateful to see the fans again i don't know i i kind of personally think it maybe it's a little too quick for all those fans to be in there at that particular time but 
for as for the athletes anyways that were in that octagon on that particular night i think it was very gratifying for them and they fed off that energy because they hadn't seen fans nobody's feeding fans for a very very long time yeah yeah we uh, yeah we both agree that we didn't want to see that many fans but it is nice that fans are uh, we're there to uh, create some more atmosphere and uh, a little uh, more excitement, electricity. Uh, yeah, watch that prelim, those early prelims. Uh, really, really recommended. A fun way to kick off the night for me. Um, okay, why don't we turn to next week's card? It's a fight night between Dominic Reyes and Yuri Puhachka. Uh I see this light heavyweight battle being um, very, very, very good. I think uh, it's going to be a hell of a battle. Yeah, because Prohaska is, uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, he's unorthodox to the extreme. So Reyes is going to be very much, has to be very careful with the guy that is just going to come at you from weird and different angles and do weird techniques and a bunch of just weirdness. So, and also too, Prohaska has power got some power to him too as well so it's i think it's going to be a very interesting fight it's going to be a very interesting fight because various is a very very good fighter but prohashka is he's got he's he's unorthodox i'm just going to say that he's unorthodox in his approach and it's it may be shock it may shock reyes because trying to train for a fighter like that you can't because nobody fights like him it's going to be it's going to be tough it should be and Reyes uh, had a really good showing against John Jones when Jones was the champ. And, uh, you know, some people actually thought Reyes won that fight. Uh, the decision went to Jones, but um, Reyes is no slouch. And uh, I think this will be a, a great main event. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The co-main has Cub Swanson and Giga Chikadze. Uh, love seeing Cub, one of my favorite fighters on the roster. Always just never say die attitude. Hell of a battler. Uh, this will be fun. He's fighting a bit younger of a guy, but uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think of this one? I love it. I love it. You got to You got to You got to bet against an up and comer, and then they're and they're clashing. And we're gonna see exactly how good Giga is because he's up against a solid, solid bet in Cub Swanson. And uh, this this you could say in respects could be possibly a crossroads fight for to say is either Giga raises his raises his stock in the UFC or Cub puts him back down and says, no, nah, you're not ready for the big time yet. Yeah, um, yeah we'll see. We'll see. Um, a lot of good fights on the card. Uh, I mentioned Sean Strickland, Brendan Allen called him out. Sean Strickland faces off against Christoph Jotko. Uh, we've got Cody Stamen on the card. Uh, Eon Kutaleba faces off against Dustin Jacoby. And uh, yeah, there's a hell of a lot of battles on this one. We've got the Canadian Random Marcos uh, on the prelims. And um, yeah, it's going to be uh, fun as well. Oh yeah, Canadian KB Buller is fighting on the prelims as well. He fights uh, at middleweight. Andreas Mikulidis uh, will be his opponent. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch and break down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's a bunch of really solid fights on that card. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
Shifting back to uh, last Saturday's 261 card, uh, one of the people on the front row that was shown a few times and talked about a little bit on the podcast was Jake Paul. Uh, Dustin, or I mean, uh, Daniel Cormier, uh, uh, been called out by him, uh, said some na- nasty things uh, to him. Uh, Daniel doesn't like him, and they ended up having some words. But uh, some of the things that Jake Paul said after the fight, I really, um, you know, don't have a problem with. He uh, he really put it to the UFC and Dana White and said, "Why are these guys so underpaid compared to boxing?" Uh, I made more than them in this past fight than most of them have made in any of the fights in their whole lives. And he was, uh, yeah, not shy with talking about it. Uh, I think Dana White's pretty upset. Uh, but uh, what were your thoughts hearing all this stuff? Actually, you know what? If you're going to get under somebody's skin like he wants to because he's an irritant, that's the best way to do it to Uncle Dana by saying, I'm a YouTuber. I'm not even a professional boxer. I just kind of throw some stuff together. And I get paid way more than any of your guys do. Like whatever Francis Ngannou made, I made like five times that. And I'm not even a real fighter. So what are you doing? <laughs> and it's, it, it's, it, it's good because he's not lying. He's just telling the truth. And then that's what hurts even more because he's absolutely right. He's right. He's like, honestly, oh, you're not paying your dudes. Hey, don't worry. Come over to my show. I'll pay you. <laughs> and that's the other thing he's saying without saying it. Come over and do my nonsense because I guess my nonsense still gets me paid way more than what you guys get paid. Because even Askren got paid, I believe, a million dollars, right? That's his biggest payday he's ever had in any fight, period. So he does have a point. And that's why Uncle Dana is super pissed off because he doesn't want this guy screwing with his stuff. I get it, man. I get it. I still don't like the dude. I don't oh, like him at all. But I yes, it's a valid point. I was wondering if Jake Paul paid for his ticket or it was supplied by the UFC. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, they regretted their move, uh, him being in there. And uh, yeah, shaking the trees. Uh, yeah, maybe he's hoping to get some of these guys to come over, over to boxing and uh, get some more money from some of these crazy cards. Yeah, because that would just, it's savvy business sense because it would add some legitimacy to his nonsense that he puts on because it is that. It's Tiger King. It's Tiger King boxing. You know, like, it's great. Awesome. Um, I, 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 yeah, but he does, again, I, I do love the fact that he brought that up. And I do love the fact that Dana took it to heart because he's absolutely right. Like, they so. They, they want to push down what they pay these guys. They want to make sure that it's always, they come up on top with their revenue because they're a business and they're in it to make money. And they're also in it to make sure that they don't pay these guys that much money. That, it's changing though. And it's going to continue to change. Like they're going to have to keep upping the price because these guys deserve a lot of money because look at what had just happened to Weidman. Do you think his medical expenses are really cheap right now? No, they are not. You know what I mean? And he and he doesn't have the ability to earn for his family for a freaking year. For a year. Yeah, these guys deserve the money. They deserve to be paid. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, a couple more UFC notes here. Uh, Tyron Woodley was cut from the UFC. Uh, I guess I kind of expected it, but... Uh, 
he's he was there for a really long time um and they finally said uh that's it, it. uh what, what are your thoughts well he, hey man he he put on a good showing for his last fight it wasn't enough for him to get the win but he did put on a good showing for his last fight but i i can't i can't disagree with the decision i i think he's coming to the end of his career anyways regardless he might go on to like a, another uh another another uh, uh promotion but Maybe he doesn't, maybe he just gets into acting or whatever he wants to do. But whatever he does, I'm sure he's going to be wildly successful at it. And uh, happy trails to Tyrone Woodley. Uh, you and I thought that uh, after Robert Whitaker beat Kelvin Gastelum, he would be next in line to face uh, Israel Adesanya. But they announced on the weekend that Marvin Vittori is his next opponent. Uh, are you surprised? Yes and no. Um, because Marvin's been climbing up the ranks steadily. Uh, and also, too, we've already seen the fight between Israel and Whitaker. So I, I can see why the UFC has said, ah, we'll throw Marvin in. Whitaker will probably not take another fight just to see who wins this fight because then he would still be still next up, right? You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I can see why the, why the UFC did that just to put in a different face against Israel Adesanya. And I, either way, it's going to be a great fight. Because, like, that Marvin Vittori is no joke. Marvin, uh, I'm just pulling it up. Uh, Marvin and uh, Marvin and Adesanya fought. Uh, it was a split decision that happened uh, April 14th, 2018. That was in Glendale, Arizona, uh, UFC on Fox, the undercard of Poirier uh, Gaethje, uh, 2018. A split decision. Um, many people said that that was probably the toughest opponent that Adesanya had ever had to that moment, for sure. Um, so, yeah, it took a while for Vittori to get back there. He had to fight uh, five more times and win them all. But, um, yeah, he's no slouch. And uh, I think this is going to be a great battle. And uh, we'll see the evolution between the two fights uh i haven't watched that fight in a while like i i want to watch it again and and sort of get a gauge on it uh, as it comes closer yeah yeah man because uh, either way I, I think uh marvin has improved from what where he was to where he is now right so it, the game plan is going to have to change it's going to have to change i'm kind of curious to see how marvin approaches this fight with israel I think personally he should just wrestle him, take him to the ground and not even bother with the stand up, like immediately close airspace, take him to the ground and not worry about it. But I, I'm, I'm curious to see what he actually implements. And I'm sure Israel will try to just keep distance and just try to pick him apart at distance. Uh, Vittori uh, in his last five fights, uh, four decision wins and one submission win by a rear naked choke over Carl Robertson, who we talked about earlier. In the first round um yeah so he wasn't moving the needle because he wasn't getting finishes uh but uh yeah he's been moving you know back up the ranks and uh 17 four and one is his record uh we'll see uh i'm disappointed that whitaker's not uh, in there i thought he deserved that shot but um he's he will have to wait um last mma conversation i want to have is the pfl professional fighters league finally after a year hiatus because of COVID, uh, they finally had their first card 
uh, this past week. And um, Anthony Pettis made a jump over. Uh, Rory McDonald has, uh, has uh, signed a, a contract with them. Uh, a fun league. I think there's a lot that I like about this league. I like that these fighters have opportunities to move up the ranks. And a $1 million purse for everyone that uh, ends up being the playoff winner, the champion winner in each weight class. Uh, it's a kind of a cool way to do it. And they have scoring that you can see on the uh, screen as they're taking their shots, as they're doing takedowns, everything. You're seeing real live scoring, and it's something that I hope the USC implements pretty soon. I love that idea. I love the idea because then they're not trying to hide anything. And then you can see what judges are competent, what judges are not competent. You know what I mean? And I, I think there's something to be said about seeing that because then the PFL would have the wherewithal to say, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. We're not going to have you as a judge anymore. <laughs> you know, like, so maybe that, that there might be something that the UFC should look into because I know that I, I can't tell you how many times we've heard it over the years where announcers and the analysts have complained about the judging and say, well, do they even know what they're doing? Do they know what they're looking at? Yeah. I, it, it has gotten better, but it's not, it's not stellar, you know, like it, it's, it's just not where it needs to be. I believe yet. Uh, Pettis was defeated in his first fight in PFL. Uh, he was upset by Cassius Clay Collard in uh, PFL 1. And, um, yeah, I recommend it. Uh, I think it happens every Wednesday. Uh, they show it locally here on TSN. You'll be able to watch it in the U.S. for American listeners and viewers. And, um, yeah, I kind of like that it's a regular season, playoffs, champion uh, crowned at the end. It's um, – a neat, a unique way of going about it. Uh, the only mixed martial arts organization that runs it this way and uh, a little more like most North American sports where there is regular season playoffs and, and a champion crown finally. Uh, it, it's a neat format. Um, I think they, they're doing a lot of great things with this and uh, I hope it survives. Yeah, like, you know, like it, to a certain respect, it, it, it kind of, it feels like a tournament except they're not doing the crazy thing like what they used to do back in the day. It's like, well, you're just going to fight four fights tonight. And if you win that fourth fight, you win all the money. <laughs> it's like, oh, but I got to try to get through all these killers first, eh? This, this is going to be fun. It's going to be great. <laughs> Pretty brutal. Very brutal, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing that uh, they used to have, have nights like that. Yeah, four, four fights in a night and you're almost uh, dying and you got to go in there and try to try to win it was craziness but um yeah this is it's it's similar to these tournaments and uh it's good uh yo i think we'll 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 start hearing a lot of big names emerging uh they they were able to convince a few usc fighters to go over there and um yeah follow it give it a shot to everybody uh, i i've liked it so far yeah yeah definitely give it a shot definitely follow it um and especially since it's uh it's Canadiana. It's, it's, this is ours. This is our thing. It's nothing to do with the States. So this is pretty cool. Okay. So uh, let's turn to the NBA. Uh, we have, um, yeah, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. Uh, there's a lot of um, storylines emerging. Uh, man, it's crazy in the East how 
Uh, two teams are on fire right now. The New York Knicks have won nine games in a row. Uh, they're fourth in the Eastern Conference. And the Wizards have won eight in a row. They've snuck up on everybody. And uh, they're sitting uh, solidly in 10th position. Um, can you believe that we're talking about the Knicks and the Wizards to start off an NBA podcast? Talk about the NBA. No, no, I can't believe it. I, I can't believe it at all. But I, I, I have to say that um, uh, for the Knicks, first off, I, I believe that uh, it's Tibbs that's the head coach, right? Uh, and, and Tibbs has done an amazing job. He's completely changed the culture of the team, and he's got those guys in a winning mindset. Number one, first and foremost, he has those guys in a winning mindset, and he has, and he's put the pieces together so that everybody is being utilized in the right way, within, whether it be offense or defense. And so I, I got to give a lot of credit. I give, I give a ton of credit to the new head coach in Tibbs. And then Julian Randle becoming who Julian Randle had the capability of being, and which is an all-star, uh, the superstar that the Knicks need, and that uh, the offense kind of runs through him. Awesome stuff. And then all of a sudden now, I guess Westbrook's figured it out. Uh, the walking triple-double that he is has figured out a lot. And now he's playing, he's playing lights out. Um, and now the Wizards are relevant, weird. I, I never thought I'd actually say that, that the Wizards are relevant, but they are. And they played so well that now they're into the play on, uh, play in position in the 10th spot. So uh, let's see if they continue to, to keep winning games. Yeah, it's uh, harming the Raptors' chances uh, at getting into this play-in tournament. The Raptors sit 12th right now. They are two full games behind the Wizards, tied with the Bulls, who are in the exact same uh, record, same position. Uh, Raptors have only been 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, really poor on the road this year, 10-20 and 15-15 and 15 and 15 at their temporary home down in Tampa. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The Raptors, um, yeah, might just might not have enough. Uh, the teams that are above them are all winning. They're all on winning streaks. And, and uh, yeah, they're, they're starting to uh, maybe fade from the playoff picture. But uh, playoff picture is really starting to take shape. Uh, we see the Nets on top uh, finally able to put some space between them and the Sixers. Sixers were on top most of the year, but they've lost four in a row now. And the Nets have won two in a row. Um, we see the Bucks. The Bucks are in third place, but they lost to the Hawks yesterday. A uh, big win for the Hawks, who uh, sit with the same record as the Knicks, uh, four and five. That looks like a, a first-round playoff matchup, uh, probably. And then Celtics in the Heat, uh, sixth and seventh. Uh, Charlotte, eighth. And Pacers, ninth. So, um, yeah, a lot of interesting things shaping up there. Uh, as I said, uh, lots of winning streaks on these teams uh, that are above the Raptors. Uh, Heat have won. Uh, Hornets have won two in a row. Paces have won three in a row, eight in a row for the Bulls. So uh, this might not be the year that Raptors haven't been out of the playoffs since 2013, I think it is. So a long stretch. But, um, yeah, they, they need to hope that the Wizards cool off uh, quite a bit. Uh, Beal and Westbrook are just playing incredible right now and they're, they're looking good. Let's turn to the West. Um, the Jazz, Suns, and Clippers all have a better record than Brooklyn. Uh, so those are the top three most winningest franchises 
in the West, uh, in the whole NBA right now. And the Clippers are on fire. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10, have won four in a row. Uh, they're chasing down uh, the Jazz and the Suns for, for top position. Uh, Lakers are falling back. And they're, um, yeah, they're looking like, uh, you know, might even have to be in that play-in tournament. Uh, it's been interesting the way things have started to shift a little bit in the West. Oh, yeah. Uh, very interesting, especially Lakers were always going to fall. Right, like, because if you're missing your two studs, like literally, yeah, you're you're gonna fall in the standings. I believe AD Anthony Davis has just come back recently, but he's trying to play back into form, so it's gonna take him some time. And LeBron is still out, and they're not rushing him back for anything. Period. He's only coming back if he's ready to come back. They will not rush him back at all. So. All they have to do, the Lakers, is make sure they just make the playoffs. And then if they make the playoffs, then those guys come back, and, you know, and they're a problem for everybody. So, um, and, then, and then as for, the, like, the top three teams, Paul George has been an absolute monster uh, this season. He really has. As I've said before at the beginning of the season, and I'll say it again, he still needs to prove himself in the playoffs. So we'll see how that runs for him. Uh, Utah. I don't see any drop off there because Donovan Mitchell has obviously and clearly made that leap into elite level from last year's bubble playoff performance, clearly. So he's ready to get, get it going. And with the Suns, with Chris Paul as the addition, uh, they're just playing beautiful basketball. They really are. They just, it's just, it's just a thing of beauty to watch him. They, you know, press the right keys and orchestrate that offense the way it needs to be run at all times. So, yeah. Yeah, Jazz are uh, 44 and 16, amazing year. Uh, Suns are 42 and 18, Clippers one half game back. Uh, well, 43 and 19, they're, they're the same uh, games back. Nuggets, uh, Jamal Murray was a huge, huge, huge loss for Denver. Uh, I really feel bad for him and, and the team. Uh, they had such an amazing run last year winning a lot of those series down three games to one and, and really emerging Jamal Murray onto the scene as one of the best uh, guards in the league. Uh, man, that hurt uh, seeing him go down and uh, him out for the season. It hurt it like, well, it kind of tank. I'm just going to say it, it kind of tanks their playoff chances because you can't replace his offense period. There's nobody on that team that can do what Jamal Murray does so it's unfortunate. And then the, the chemistry that him and, and Joker have on the pick and rolls and all that sort of stuff, you, you just can't replace it. You cannot replace him. So unfortunately, they're not going to be nearly the threat that they would have been if Jamal hadn't got hurt. So, but at the same time, Joker is still playing at an MVP level. And as far as I'm concerned, the MVP is his to lose. And I don't think he's going to lose it. I think he wins the MVP this year. He's had an amazing year this year. Absolutely amazing. Best big man passer that the league has ever seen. And I'm just, I'm going to stand by that. He's the best. Nobody's better than that dude. Incredible, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the Lakers. They're falling fast. Nine games out of first. Uh, Mavericks are playing pretty solid, won three in a row. They're sitting in sixth, uh, seem pretty solid there. The Trailblazers have lost five in a row, two and eight in their last ten. They're uh, they're in trouble. They're dropping down. I think they're going to be 
in this play in tournament. It looks like they're uh, you know going to finish seventh, eighth place. Uh, I don't really know what's wrong with the Blazers. Um, they they've got Nurkic back. Uh, maybe he's just not ruling into form quite yet. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a chemistry thing for now because I think these like I think they got, they're trying to get used to having Nurkic back, and I think Nurkic is still trying to play himself back into shape. But I think they'll figure it out before the the, the regular season's done. And they'll, they'll probably go on a little run. But as long as they get in somehow into the playoffs, you can't ever count the Trailblazers out. You really can't. Grizzlies and Spurs uh, battling out eighth and ninth. And then we've got the Warriors. They're sitting pretty solidly in that 10th position. They're four and a half games ahead of the Pelicans. And they're uh, five and a half. Uh, no, six, yeah, yeah, no, six and a half ahead of the Kings. So, uh, it looks like the Warriors are going to get into the 10th, uh, ninth, 10th position, maybe even eighth. Um, Steph Curry has been just out of his mind lately, uh, just incredible. He's leading the league in scoring, uh, per game. His average was 39 points a game in April, and he's just still hitting these long distance shots. Made another couple incredible uh, against the Kings last night for a big win. Uh, so fun to watch. I, I need to watch every Warriors game right now because he is just much watch TV. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. It, it, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to throw something out here, see if I can remember um, um, the numbers. Because as of all the games before April 23rd, I believe there was a 12-game span that I just watched on one of the games I was watching. 12-game span. Before April 23rd, he was averaging 38 points, um, field goal percentage of 52%, three-point percentage of 47%, three-pointers uh, three made, 80. 80. So, you're so what they're saying is he basically made seven threes a game for 12 games straight. That's utterly ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. He's a video game player now. He's a video game person. Like that, it doesn't even make logical sense anymore. He doesn't make sense. There's no logic to his game. He's amazing. Yeah, he just set an NBA record for most three pointers made in a month. Uh, month of April, he hit 85, past James oh. Harden's record. And, and yeah, he's just so dead on. From anywhere on the court, he's scoring the ball. His shooting accuracy is just incredible. And, uh, yeah, it's just really too bad they didn't have Clay Thompson and the full squad this entire year. Uh, would have been fun to watch. But I think they're going to make some noise in this play-in tournament and get an opportunity at, at someone top of the uh, West. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be great to see them in the playoffs still even though they are so undermanned. Uh, Zion Williamson uh, reached 2,000 career points yesterday. That is his, is his 79th career game. It's the fewest since Michael Jordan in 85, who did it in 73 games. Uh, uh, this record kind of blew me away. I didn't realize he was um, up in that Michael Jordan territory uh, to be able to talk about him in the same sentence. Yeah, because I, I I didn't think he was scoring at that incredible amount like 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 that. I just didn't think he was scoring that that crazy amount. So uh, I'm 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 impressed. 
I'm impressed. I, I just, everything that, that that young man does, I'm impressed by because just the way that he moves, his athleticism, the fact that he's like, he's a bigger version and a more jacked version of a Charles Barkley. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. He's amazing, man. And I, I, I look forward to seeing more of what he can do on the court. For the next coming years. Disappointing. It doesn't look like they're going to make the play-in tournament, make the playoffs yeah. this year. But uh, a lot of good things ahead for uh, for the Pelicans, and um, yeah, I, I, I see them being a perennial contender. Um, yeah, if they get another couple of pieces and they get a little older, it's going to be uh, great to see. Um, yeah, that's uh, the NBA in a nutshell. Um, great to be able to talk a little bit about that. Uh, big news, obviously, in the NFL. The NFL draft starts on Thursday. It goes through Saturday. Thursday's the first round, and then Friday and Saturday, the rest of the rounds. Um, they're talking about the first four, four picks being Q, uh, QBs, quarterbacks. Uh, never has happened before, but uh, a lot of these teams at the top that got these top picks are, are in need of quarterbacks or want one. Jacksonville looks like it's going to be uh, Trevor Lawrence, the Jets are leaning towards Zach Wilson, uh, who a lot of people have said this has the kind of arm that Patrick Mahomes has. Uh, Justin Fields and Mac Jones is the people that uh, supposedly the 49ers are looking at, and Trey Lance keeps coming into the mix. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch and see who takes who and uh, who's going to get to retool really quickly coming into next season yeah I'm, I'm curious to see who takes who and then what guys actually stand out once they get onto the field and then like who who's the real studs and then who's the oh you're not as good as we thought you were oh you know like hopefully we don't see too many ryan leaves like none at all you know that's that's what you don't want to see but at the end of the day like i i hope that the teams get what they what they want and that we have some excellent football coming our way with some uh, excellent prospects and that they are able to show their skills on the field. Yeah, I'm excited. Can't wait. Uh, it's going to be uh, yeah, fun to see who retools and uh, who, who they get. And uh, yeah, that's the one good thing about the NFL draft, though, is usually you can change your fortunes of your team really, really quickly. These are usually guys that have played four years of college ball and they are men uh we we see the um, draft in the nhl guys that are 17 18 years old uh usually years away from helping your team a nba it's quite a bit of one and you're done uh they had one year of college and they're coming in really raw uh but the nfl uh, we've seen teams go from uh worst to first very very quickly and uh it's a nice it's a nice thing to know that you, the guys that you're getting, usually they can make an impact right away. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a very nice thing to know if those guys do make an impact and they can just change the fate of your team in a heartbeat before you know it. Then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, man, this, this guy's really good. <laughs> and now we're really good because everybody wants to find that one player like that. God, I'm going to have to use his name again. Uh, the Tom Brady. Everybody wants to find that guy. And if you can find that guy, then your 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 future is nothing but uh, sunshine, rainbows, roses. It's really nice. 
<laughs> exactly. So, yeah, well, uh, great week ahead. Uh, fantastic to wrap up the weekend of sports with you as always, man. Um, I hope you have a few good days of work and you get some good rest in. Enjoy the sunshine and, and let's keep in touch. Uh, we'll definitely do this again next Monday. You, you bet you, bud. Uh, Bye-bye for now. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye for now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fun as always. Uh, a great Monday podcast. Uh, two podcasts today. Uh, haven't done that in a few weeks, uh, but uh, very soon we're going to be doing quite a bit. Uh, be ready for extensive amount of content. Uh, going to have a lot more free time. I've reached out to uh, some big guests and uh, uh, today, Tanner Bozer, Jason Cameron, two fantastic guests. Uh, really stay tuned for so many more great conversations. And uh, yeah, we're going to be launching a, a new aspect of Complete Sports Media Network soon. We're going to be talking about uh, music, movies, uh, entertainment, lots and lots and lots of things coming down the pipe. So uh, please stay tuned. Thanks for your support as always. Go to completesportsmedia.com and support our partners and sponsors. Uh, let's mention Anchor FM, Verbero, Forever Living, and Pampas and Possibilities. You know the details. If you've watched, go to our website. You can find out the details of those in fantastic companies and uh, purchase products at really reduced rates. And um, thanks, Jason, as always. Thanks for everyone that always helps put on these podcasts. Appreciate your support and take care. Have a great week ahead. Love you. Bye for now.